need an Advil, maybe a second chance. Hey! Welcome to Stargate Second Chances, a Walking Through the Stargate podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this is episode two. Right, yes! Brent? Two. Yep. Two! Two. Yep. <clears throat> so, uh, greetings, dear Patreon listeners. Welcome. Mm-hmm. Uh, today we are going to be talking about uh, episode something in the second season, <laughs> Thor's Chariot. Thor's Chariot. Um, and, uh, yeah, so... With that, I just say, I just want to say thanks very much for joining us today. Um, I this is what the thirtieth of December two thousand twenty. This mm-hmm. year is almost mm-hmm. over. Thank uh, God. Yes, uh, I'm feeling very <laughs> tired. I think yeah. Brent is too. Um, oh yeah. But uh, we are here to talk about Thor's chariot. Thor's chariot. It was fun to go back over this one. Oh, good, good. That's one of the things that we should talk about. Um, yes. So I think as we begin, Brent, uh, shall we uh, uh, just kind of give a synopsis of this episode? Yeah. Thor's Chariot. This is the one where the SG-1 team go back to Cheetos. No. What's the name of the planet? Cerritos? No. Samaria. Uh, Samaria. That's it. Um, they go back to Samaria and uh, the... No, I'm sorry. Yeah. they 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 uh, The wormhole opens. <clears throat> they're like, oh, no, we don't have a uh, traveler scheduled and there's no IDC or whatever. And they close the iris and there's a thunk. And when they analyze the thunk, that turns out that it is uh, something that contains iridium, a very specific kind of iridium, I think, um, that uh, that they put in the Sagan box for the people of um, Churro. No, of Cerritos. No, it's um, Samaria. Samaria. That's it. Um, and so they said, oh, my gosh, we got to go back, um, you know. Who knows? There's probably there's probably some kind of contact that has happened. Hooray! And they go back. No, they send the map through, and then there's uh, uh, Hilda or whatever her name was. Gamora? I don't remember no. her name off the top of my head. Um, Ganoush. Uh, and she is uh, she's sitting there like you gotta come back and help us. And then there's looking around, you see some Jafana. <gasps> okay, cut to the, the title. The Ettons have come. The Ettons have come. That's right. <clears throat> so we go back to the gate and we find the, the find the world. And what has happened is that when Thor's hammer was destroyed, the ghoul somehow figured out a way to come back, or somehow decided to come back and found the planet to be not protected anymore. And uh, uh. They're coming by, uh, the, the ghouls are coming by to co- create some landing pads for some Hatak. What's that? It's the pyramid ship. Uh, and we get to see Hurur for the first time. Uh, who's that? The <laughs> son of Ra and of, of uh, Hathor. Hathor. Oh man, so bad. Oh, there was a lot, there was a lot of, I was having a lot of fun with the whole like, oh, this is the first time we see so and so and so and so. I was really glad. No, we're not there yet. Um, so, <laughs> synopsis. Carry on. <laughs> uh, so we join up with the resistance group, and we are going to try to figure out uh, where this conveniently mentioned Thor's might happens to be. Sam and Daniel go off to figure that part out. Teal'c and uh, Jack go to f- basically just kind of run defense and slow down the uh, her- the 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 ghoul attack on the little renegade party. Uh, so we got an A story and a B story. Um, a story is figuring out Thor's might. B story is the little resistance group, and the Thor's might puzzles uh, occur. There's the folk. There's the faux balance beam problem. There is the final puzzle, which is cross correlate these symbols into something, and then also ignore the pictograms. Uh, and at the end, we are. Uh, what is revealed is. <gasps> 
the actual Asgard race. Oh my gosh, it's the first time we see them. <clears throat> yes. Which I didn't quite. I mean, I got it pretty quick, but it, but for there was a moment where I was like, wait, did we see them last time or this time? So this is the first time that we see them. And but uh, our alas, our heroes are captured because um, they they didn't you know there was no weapons in that cache. Uh, and so our heroes were, uh, captured without any restraints I noticed. And, uh, but that didn't matter because a thundercloud happened and appeared a big ship and pew, 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 all of the ghouls ended up getting completely removed from the picture, except for horror who conveniently had dialed up the gate and stepped through it while looking pensively in the distance. Um, to be, so, you know, surely to be seen again and to create a mighty menace for our SG team or otherwise just get blowed up. Uh, and <laughs> so uh, we ended the episode with the knowledge of this extremely powerful race. Uh, Gertrude comes back and she uh, gives one of the best worst deliveries that I have ever seen. Uh, uh, the, the Asgard of friend to all protector of all or whatever. I can't remember the line except for the Gould for which we are at war. Um, I think I was banging on that line. Probably could use different words there. Whatever. Um, <clears throat> I thought I, I didn't like that line. The first time I saw it, I was again, just sitting here just like, wow, man, this is reminding me of some old Star Trek stuff, which is convenient because this one was written by our friend, our good friend, uh, Catherine Powers. Catherine Powers. So, that's right. So anyway, so we uh, we close the episode uh, fade to black with the knowledge of this extremely powerful race that might be our friend. So Yay. that's what happened this one. Yeah. Yep. So all right. Yeah. So what do, we, uh, do what you do want me to talk about my impressions, or do you want to talk about your impressions first? Um, I'll run through my impressions real quick. Okay. Uh, I did. This one's a tough one, isn't it? Like, you got a major development inside this package <laughs> and you get a you get a pretty fun um <clears throat> like made for television challenge uh but it kind of flakes out and it's certainly like and the b story just doesn't matter like it literally didn't matter we killed a whole bunch of jaffa and it just 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 to watch people get blown up i guess um so, but we do have the Asgard and we do have the um, realization of the Asgard as the Greys, the Roswell, or they sure look an awful lot like the Roswell Greys. And, uh, and we also then established that they can totally kick the tail of the Gould and are willing yeah. to do so, um, which is exciting. Um, but we also, once again, firmly reestablish that the Gould are probably the most hapless enemies that could possibly be in existence, including that one great uh, uh, scene where um, O'Neill is uh, sitting there with his uh, P40X D90 um, machine gun and just shoots down a line, like literally down a line, and one, two, three, Jaffa go down. <laughs> like, <laughs> they were coming at him in a straight line. Oh, it was terrible um but yeah so i can kind of appreciate how this one is really fun because of that aspect of this is where we see the asgard as who they really are first time and we get to see their might the first time um or at least uh in a more palpable way um you know thor's hammer was definitely you, we could see the might but kind of in a different way um so i'm kind of conflicted about it like on one hand i kind of like seeing this stuff on the other hand it really was 
there was plenty to not particularly like about this story, <laughs> at least how it was delivered. What about you? I mean, like you've well, watched it many, many times. Uh, well, yeah. Where does this fit so, in the scope? So, you know, I think, you know, one note that, that uh, I have not re-listened to our previous thoughts or comments. No. Uh, yeah. That said, Julie did, and Julie took some some main, some main notes for us to an, analyze and kind of talk through uh, in a little bit after we've kind of made our piece here, uh, mm-hmm. just to see how things have changed. <laughs> um, so we'll look at that in a little bit. Um, the one thing that popped into my head uh, this time as I viewed it um, was, so like, we had just finished watching Wormhole Extreme, right? Yes. And there's that scene where they want to show the the ship coming down, and they can't yes. because they, you know, it's too expensive. And they're like, "We're going to see how it, what it is in the look of their eyes, the close up <laughs> of their shot. It's it's indescribable." And yes. as Thor's chariot, Thor's ship was coming through the clouds. Uh, I mean, we did actually get to see the ship, but beyond that, there was just a whole bunch of cuts of people's faces going, oh, yes. ah, yeah. ah. <laughs> It's indescribable. It's, it's indescribable. <laughs> so, you know, uh, I had that running into my head as, as, as this was happening. We only needed uh, the Zat gun situation to show up, and then we would have had ourselves a nice little callback from... Uh, from- Wormhole Extreme, yeah, back into yeah. early days of Stargate, yeah. No, so, I, that was totally right. So this is this is an episode. You're absolutely. I mean, um, it's a Catherine Powers script, and it's yes. pretty good overall. But it does just sort of, uh, I, you know, I think you nailed it right now when you said it was like a television script. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's a television puzzle, right? So it's like, <laughs> uh, it, it's. It's complicated, but not too complicated. Um, right, it, right. You know, Daniel is like, so I have no idea what it is. And Thor's like, well, you know, it's okay. You don't have to get it right every time. And he's like, wait a second, wait a second. And then all of a sudden he's like, it's pie. Yes, right. <laughs> I mean, you know, Sam helps a little bit, but but it's just like, it, I have no idea. Oh, wait, well, here's the answer to the puzzle. <laughs> yeah, which, you know, it's not the worst. No, it's not. Um, I will say, though, that all of that aside, uh, the reveal of the real Thor mm-hmm. uh, is really quite astonishing. Uh, and, you know, it's done well where where all of a sudden, boom, uh, the, the Norse god Thor disappears and then there's little tiny... Asgard <laughs> yes. pops in there um, <laughs> and it's like, I am the real Thor. Um, you know, and, and Thor's, I like the character Thor. Yeah. Um, we have seen a lot now uh, of Thor. We get to see more of Thor as the series mm-hmm. progresses, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Um, but this is the first time we get him and, and it works. Uh, so. Do I, you know, Zach, if. Yeah. Um, if it was a Catherine Powers idea to have the mighty, strong, tall god of thunder be replaced with the diminutive uh, alien of 1950s Americana lore? You know, that is a really good question, and I don't have the answer for it. Um, I can see it being a production decision that is not necessarily the same as the writer's decision. 
right? right. Like Catherine wanted the real alien to show up. You know, we see, we see the true form of Thor and it's indeed, it is, it is very alien looking or whatever. Right. You know, but, but, the, right. but the, but the juxtaposition of the strong and mighty Thor with the tiny and diminutive Thor um, is striking. It is. Uh, I don't know if that's, you know, I would posit a guess that that was probably uh, hammered down in a writer's room meeting. Sure. Uh, Likely, Catherine Powers would have been part of that meeting. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And so when you look back, unless they happen to remember, hey, you know, who was it that said the the first thing? Maybe they remember that, but it could be just me that, hey, you know, as a group, it was collaborative. That's my suspicion. Mm-hmm. Um, given, uh, because there are actually things, if I recall correctly, leading up to this that kind of uh, suggests this as a possibility. Um, you know, as, so like this, this, I don't think this is a... Uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm misremembering things, but I don't think that this was just sort of an out of the blue thing. There were a few things along the way that that uh, could be looked at and and seen as slight foreshadowing. Sure, um, I could be wrong on that, but uh, you know, so I think that this this was something that was in the works, um, and this is the episode, and Catherine gets her name called uh, yep. to write the episode that reveals it. Did she do Thor's hammer? She did do Thor's hammer, right? I'm pretty, pretty sure, sure she did, did Thor's hammer. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, this 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 is this is this is a pivotal episode, but it's very. Um, it feels like it was an episode where I figured that something big had just happened, but well, maybe. I mean, there's also the reality that as you and I are doing this project, as much as I try to remain spoiler free and as much as you do a pretty darn good job of not letting me know meta information, sometimes there's things that, you know, it's just impossible to uh, to to not pick up or at least for me to not pick up. Like I knew that the Asgard were important. Right. Um, and I didn't know why. And I wasn't sure exactly how, and maybe they were going to be bad, important, or maybe they're going to be good, important or whatever. But you know, when, when we see, uh, when we see the, the mothership, when we see Thor ship, just zippy, zippy, zippy. Um, uh, yeah, it was Thor ship, man. There's still some unanswered questions, right? Like, cause they're all the way over yonder in that other galaxy. Um, and they still use faster than light travel, whatever. I'm not going to get too far into the weeds with it, but um, like the timing, like boy, well, that wasn't a very long time for Thor to show up. I mean, uh, we've we've. I mean, but what that does is that establishes, and this actually is consistent moving forward, is that the the speed under which an Asgard ship can move uh, is ridiculously faster compared to anything else so um, then maybe that battle scene with the <laughs> with the newly christened o'neill that gets blown up um and was being chased down by ships taken over by replicators that's right those were asgard ships that had been taken over by the replicators so they right. all had similar fun similarly functioning drives and that right. time that elapsed while they were screaming through space they were covering humongous distances but for that particular battle sequence in that show and that episode, it doesn't matter how much distance they traveled because once they got into the wormhole a little bit or whatever, and then the main ship blew up 
it took out the rest, right? La la la. So yeah, so that's not necessarily a continuity problem. It's just it was just a moment of like, wait a second, they got there real fast. So good to hear that they you know stick with it I mean, as far that, as like, that's, the speed that's is pretty concerned. consistent. Uh, you know the the Asgard. You know, so the only reason that that the the Gu'uld are the threat that they are is because the Asgard have to deal with the replicators and can't lay down the full oh, that's force right. yeah, of yeah, yeah, their yeah. hammer yeah. Uh, right. on onto the Gu'uld. Um, and one of the things that this episode certainly does is it highlights uh, the massive power differential between these right. two alien races. Right. Um, and, and then it just highlights then, you know, I mean, we already know that the Gu'uld are far superior than to the human technologically. Um, and uh, so then to see the the mass gulf uh, of space between um, the the Gu'uld and the Asgard uh, is kind of awe-inspiring. And you see mm-hmm. it in their eyes when we get a close-up shot of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... Um, it's, it's amazing. It's indescribable. It's indescribable. Yeah. yeah and then, so watching, but I, I, I was again though. I was, I was, I was again struck with how ineffective these Gould are as bad guys. Because, yeah, Huru talks a big game, and he has this little deflecty shield thing. And then when the reinforcements arrive, he gets real mad and his eyes glow. You know, I mean, like, there's things so, about it, which... Yeah, so so here in this situation, you're right. They are absolutely ineffective. But what makes them uh, dangerous is that, A, they have a lot of firepower. And yeah. Yeah, uh, the Gua'uld are willing to send wave upon wave upon yes. wave upon wave upon wave of Jaffa troops. Uh, and they are going to... Uh, beat you out with some uh, uh, attrition, if nothing else, um, because you're not going to withstand every single wave uh, that they get to you. Eventually, they'll they'll take you over. Uh, that seems to be the modus operandi of the Gua'uld, um, which makes Tilk even more dangerous, because if Tilk is able to convince the Jaffa to rebel, as he is... Mm-hmm. Um, and then the Gould don't have the Jaffa to be that wave upon wave upon wave of soldiers just crashing down upon their enemies, then, well, that's a problem for the Gould. Shifting gears, but related. I just had a thought, and I don't know if I... I don't know if... I don't know what to think about it. Okay, so, does every Jaffa have a larval Gould symbiote inside him? Yes. And so when we see wave after wave after wave of Jaffa come and get cut down, that yes. represents wave after wave after wave of larval Gould also being basically abandoned, right? Yes. Huh. And then we're, I'm not going to get too deep into the reads about how the larval Gould um, have that restorative power because we have basically established that if... 
if a Jaffa takes enough hits, you know, if they, if they get if they get injured badly enough, then the then the symbiote can't bring the person back. And we've seen uh, Teal on Death's doorstep a few times. And thank goodness the the symbiote's been able to bring him back because it was kind of questionable. So I'm not going to necessarily immediately call that into question. But it just now kind of struck me of like, well, that seems short sighted, or maybe better said, it seems like a peculiar waste boy i just don't know what to think about these ghoul wool zach like on one hand they really want their species to uh, to 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 perpetrate perpetrate yes technically propagate is what i was going for um uh and like you know the the passing of uh of a ghoul from host to host is a thing the protection of the larval larva is a thing the little you know the 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 reverence that uh, that is being held as you know in, as as the larval ghoul are put into a big tank and left defenseless so that people can shoot them and kill them. Um, you know, there's this there's this whole aspect of trying to make sure that this species continues to exist, and also there is this savage, um, uh, you know, cutthroat aspect to the race at large. Um, which I guess this kind of represents another one of those moments of, you know, why isn't there, why aren't there a bunch of like nurse Jaffas running on up every time one of these guys gets cut down and reaches into his gut and pulls out a large, I saved it <laughs> <laughs> quick, come over and stabs it back into somebody else's belly. Like, you know, like this whole, well, this whole yeah. crazy scene, I mean, but no, they I, just leave him out there to die. So, so I get one of the things that we are seeing here that certainly at this point in time has not been, and even where we are at the middle of the fifth season, they haven't really addressed or talked about it a lot. But I mean, this, this just shows how uh, evil uh, the Gould really are. I guess Um, so. uh, You know, I mean, it, it's one thing to be, you know, mustache twirling and kill all of your, 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 (laughs) uh, enemies right yes and, and right. to have a, a heartless perspective on on those who you deem uh worthless or inferior which is certainly a bad thing but uh, mm-hmm. you know and the ghoul do that in spades but in addition to that we have these villains who uh put one of their own kind into the belly of their uh meat grinding uh right meat grindable uh soldiers to keep them you know super strong and long life and all of this stuff um and are willing to throw them into battle against each other and against other people wave upon wave upon wave and if they die i mean we actually saw this um in in um threshold Right when Teal'c was going through the rite of mm-hmm. Malshri or Shara or oh, you know, that's true. Shirena, yeah, right. or whatever it is, yeah. uh, and and uh, you know he is sent down to the the planet to kill his friend. Yep. And uh, well, he doesn't. He lets him free, but then he reaches off to one of the enemy Jaffa and just yanks one of their primptas out of their gut and and shows it to Apophis and says, "See, I killed him." And Apophis isn't like, "Oh my gosh, it's my my cousin," you know. Right. He's like, "Oh, you are so badass for killing that guy. Good job on you." Right? Yeah. Like these Gulahuld do not care about their own species. No, they don't. 
I'm also reminded of Kronos uh, crushing Teal'c's dad's um, symbiote. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, in that regard, um, we can argue whether or not they're effective, mm-hmm. uh, but they are certainly super evil. Boy, they are. They are terrible, terrible people, Zach. They're terrible. I know. I mean, they're also. I mean, yeah, they're t- terribly susceptible to uh, claymores as well, and C four, and bullets. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but so are we. So you know, uh, hey. yeah, yeah. It's it's look. We got to have a way to defeat the bad guys. Like you know, we can't have it hyper realistic where like their technology alone is able to just completely wash over the top of us. Which is probably what would happen if this were actually a legit situation versus the made-for-television situations that we see that we, that we were well, seeing. Well, I mean, in fact, he, here, that would depend greatly on uh, tactics and strategy. Um, because, but, you know, I mean, the 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 staff weapon is uh, a big, bad weapon, and it's certainly more, it produces more power, uh, pound, you know, than any single bullet does. Yeah. Uh, and it lasts a lot longer than you know, a clip or magazine or whatever we call it of, of, of a P90 or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, um, you know, the, the, the weapons of earth are just as lethal um, in terms of, you know, killing power. As That's that. right. I guess, you know, you know. so, well, I we, mean, it's, and, and we keep they seeing don't skirmishes. Have, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, and and that's you know we have never seen an all-out war right uh, with the Google world and Earth uh, at this point in time. Uh, what we have seen is uh, skirmishes and and battles and whatnot, um, and then even um, you know black ops raids type of things. Right, right. Um, so yeah, that's fair. In those types of situations, you know. The weapons, the weapon advantage of the Gua Wuld, uh is limited there. So, um, well, we wanted to keep these things a little bit short, Brent. Yes, yes. And so, um, unless you have something specific you want to say, I'm going to invite you to reevaluate this episode the, yeah. and give us a revised Chevron mm. rating. Boy, this is tough. So I don't, I don't bother to check what I gave it last time. Because I want this to be a pure experience. And on one hand, we get to see the Asgard. And on the other hand, we get to see the Asgard totally kick the Gould's butt, which is pretty great. Um, and we get to see Sam and Daniel be their smarty pants selves. And we get to see Jack and Teal'c be their like blowy uppy selves. Um, but man, the lines that were being delivered by the two primary uh denizens of of samaria did i get it did i get it samaria i think yep there you go there we go um you know they they were they were doing a fine the actors were doing a fine job but man it looked like i was watching some 80s television like like just the way that the dialogue was being given and how it was being set up and the words themselves i mean man it was just oh it was laughable but it was there it was fine it happened but 
I forgot even to mention like the that really hilarious point where uh, you know where 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 Gunhilda looks off into the distance and goes, "If only we had Thor's might!" Like it was like, "Thank oh, you, yes. Captain Exposition." Um, <laughs> it was that was just so cheesy. Um, I'm gonna say that this one is better than average, um, but it's better than average because of the Asgard. I'm gonna give this one a four out of seven chevrons. Four. four. Okay. How about you? Um, so I'm thinking about this episode, and one of the things that, that also popped into my head uh, as I was watching it this time is uh, the the Sumerian uh, axe-wielding guy who was with Teal'c and, and, oh, yeah. and Jack. Uh, he he saves him by chucking his, his axe, and it kills that one Jaffa that's coming up there. And then they all turn around and run away, and he leaves his axe behind. He leaves his I'm axe like, behind. Yep, I'm like, I noticed that too. <laughs> you got to bring that with you. This is uh-huh. just... <laughs> um. So, uh, you know, I think, um, I, I think you're right. This is a better than average episode. Um, so I'm gonna give this an, on this ty- on this watch a four. Yeah. Um, so we had Thor's chariot, right? That's this episode. So yes, you gave so you give this a four. Yep, and I give it a four. Uh, so I am now looking at our rankings and such. Yeah, and my rankings stayed the same. I went from a four to a four. You yeah. went from a three to a four. Okay, so it improved. You, so this went from, uh, you know, whatever to slightly better than average. Yeah, and um, I, I think it has everything to do with the Asgard, like. I, it's fun to see where we first meet them. Right. So here are some of the, the thoughts that we had last time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I said, my, one of my quotes, I have issues with it, but I like it. That was one of my quotes. Yeah. Um, I liked the basic story and the meta info. I liked meeting Thor. I liked Carter's ability to use the Google tech. Um, oh, you know, yeah. You know, wow, we didn't even talk about that this that. time. Yeah. Uh, the the story pops out of nowhere is a bad thing that I said. It's kind of clunky. There's a weird MacGuffin. Uh, yeah, so I, I said there were about three or four episodes worth of ideas that none of them were fleshed out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that, that, so, that I, yes, yes, absolutely. Yep. And, and so your quote that Julie pulled out is, because it's done so quickly, it's cheapened. Interesting story oh, yeah. elements. Um, yeah. Uh, felt sloppy. Cliff Notes version of the story. Pacing is bad. It's rushed. It's hasty. Uh, so those were your thoughts on the matter. Um, so um, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think I think that uh, those thoughts that we had before are kind of highlighted here as well. It's it, it is a really important episode because we meet the Asgard for the first time. Yes. Um, and that's really important, as we've already seen, and it continues to be important moving forward because the Asgard become a significant uh, story point for the series. Because uh, we've seen that already, right? Yep, we sure have. Um, and so, because this is the episode that that is revealed in, um, it's important and it's necessary. But uh, it's also a Catherine Powers script that kind of just sits in the middle. So yeah. I mean, it just it 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 feels so profoundly episodic. 
Um, I mean, I really did feel like I was watching like a third a third season story of TNG, basically. Yeah. Also, I was as I was watching, I noticed that uh, like a the characters looked young. Uh, yes. Especially Jack. Jack looks a lot younger in this episode to me. Yes. Um, but uh, beyond that. Uh, the script, and this is you know straight to Catherine Powers. The script means that the dialogue that they were speaking uh, didn't quite ring with the same uh, voice that you get in the fifth season. Oh gosh! Oh totally! You know, you know, it's like oh it's yeah, like th- these were like seriously underdeveloped characters. Yeah, um, and. You know, he, now when I was watching this the first time through, I'm like, "Oh, look at that! They're they're great and and they're developed characters and all of this stuff." But when you see what their characters sound like in three seasons, and they're far more developed, and and you know, the the actors have well and truly come into their own with their characters, uh, yep. you see a profound difference yep. there. Yeah, no, yeah. I can completely, I can completely appreciate that. Where I was realizing, I was in this episode. I was thinking about how Michael Shanks was still channeling James Spader, uh, yeah. like hard. Um, you know, the, he he still is in degrees in season five, but like each character has basically kind of turned into their own their own entity. Um, but here we are, you know, like it it it, it was it, Michael Shanks does a great job of emulating that portrayal. And I thought I was still seeing it in full effect here. Yeah. Yeah. So those are our thoughts, dear Patreon listeners. Uh, yes. As we rewatched this episode. Um, yeah. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening. Uh, yes. Thanks for um, supporting this podcast with your yeah. dollars. That is very yeah. appreciated. No, that um, means a lot. <laughs> yeah. It does. Yes. Uh, so you can uh, talk about this episode in the comments on Patreon, um, and uh, you know we'll try to address those as we can. Um, yeah. You can also email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com. Uh, yep. Of course, find us on Twitter and uh, Facebook and all of those yep. places. And, of course, our new website, wtts.space. Yep. Uh, Brent has that up and running. And yes. uh, as it's time alive. moves on, that will get fleshed out even more. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, so if you, uh, Patreon listeners, have any specific suggestions on what we can do with the website, uh, by all means, email us, let us know, and we'll be happy to see what we can do. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. All right. So uh, with that, I say I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Stargate Second Chances, a Walking Through the Stargate podcast. See you next time. Bye.